Auto Press episode 75. My scoring average. Holy cow. It's a good score. 75. And uh, we, we found out by Rock. Well, I got it. Rock Todd, one of our loyal listeners, texted me and said uh, it was about six o'clock tonight. And we're a day late because JP got stuck in Alabama. But he said, episode or Auto Press 75 question mark. And I was like, well, it's coming tonight. And JP, I relayed that to JP. He's like, hold on, this is 75. 75. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. Almost. I mean, shoot. I've been I've been a little di- disenfranchised, I guess, for a few weeks, but I'm, I'm all in again. I'm back. There are a lot of things you probably hadn't done 75 times in your life, much less come over here to do a podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of things I have done 75 times too, though. <laughs> I don't That's know. true. Have you have you taken 75 embedded ball reliefs in your life? Uh, today I did. I've I've started this new. So I've played golf twice since the Saturday the, since the Justine Reed incident, and uh, every time my ball goes in the rough, I'm wondering if it bounced. <laughs> yeah, you're asking people that weren't paying attention at all. I have all? an agenda. I have a checklist. So it's like I hit my tee shot. Before I get there, it's like, okay, I'm going to be in the rough. It's kind of wet. I'm going to have a bad lie. There might not be anybody around, but I'm going to ask somebody if the ball bounced. Because that that volunteer was not paying attention if it bounced anyway. They just found the ball. That's that's my whole thing is, and uh, a little later on, we have a, a USGA certified rules official, yeah. Andy Conway, uh, an interview coming up with him. But that's my whole thing with, with Reed that really rubbed me the wrong way is he's walking up asking uh he's 15 uh, 15 feet away from the girl a volunteer that has that is not paying attention and there's a tree in between them hey did that ball bounce what does it matter to her right she just knows where it is it's a question i can understand if you get up to the ball and maybe she's standing there getting the flag out and you see your ball's buried and you say hey by chance were you here did it bounce you know like like that would make more sense, but it's like he had this checklist. Like it was like ball and rough. I didn't see. Mm, how can I get away with this? Like, like he's trying to figure out how to take advantage of the rules. And we're gonna learn the difference between take advantage and using the rules to your advantage. We're gonna we're gonna learn that tonight, people. There's <laughs> Pay a attention. There's a difference. Yeah, he he was completely setting that up, and I, I mean, anytime you have an embedded ball. You're pretty sure it's an embedded ball. You put a tee down. You may pick it up and look at it. And then you may get uh, somebody in your group to verify, hey, but, come see if you think this is embedded. But as, you, as you're doing that, you've, you've picked the ball. You, you'll, you'll, you'll put a tee in and you'll say, hey, I'm going to check this ball for embedment. Yeah. Or That's the second time I'm going to use that embedment. word. Embedment. <laughs> embedment. Is that the word? Embedded ball. I'm going to check to see if this ball's broken ground. This ball's embedded. So you, you pick it up and then you put it back in the hole. And you say, hey, bud, could you come over here? I want you to just see it. Just verify. You know? Especially if you're in his situation. Like, <laughs> like yeah, with, you, with his history. He's got to be, uh, he's supposed to be above, He well, he should be beyond reproach with the rules at this point. You know what I was more surprised about? The fact that he fought for embedded ball versus there were like two cables nearby. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. He could have got relief from that, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, my whole thing is he goes and he picks up the ball looks at it and then he walks it six feet over to the right and puts it down he, and then goes back and he's like digging around in the I, hole I wanted, I wanted to see his fingernails like what is he doing he was digging digging a hole and then the uh the rules official comes up and he's like hey seeing if i got an embedded ball and you can see he's he says where's the ball yeah, he did and he's like oh it's over there and he's like, all right. And he's like, well, feel in here. And you feel the lip. Like, I don't, 
I don't know what he's. No, we got to backtrack on that. A talking little bit. about. Did you did you see that interaction? So the rules official was it Fable? That was Brad Fable. Brad Fable goes, "Do you mind if I? Oh yeah, put my finger in there." And and Justine goes, "Well, I don't know how else you're gonna well, see if it's embedded. How else you gonna check? Like how condescending do you have to be? Like one, you're this guy is so confused, and and Justine controlled the whole narrative. Um, oh, for sure. She was like, "This ball is gonna be embedded. This is gonna be it. I mean." The whole thing just, I mean, it just stinks. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And as you mentioned, he's playing with a couple rookies that. And no knock on them. Right. This isn't against uh, Will Gordon or Robbie Shelton to to say that he's playing with rookies, but he knows it. Um, yeah. His, his sister's caddying for him, so she knows that they're rookies. <laughs> I like this narrative you're going with. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> Justine and his sister. I didn't pre-plan this, but this it's working out. I mean his his caddy's remember his caddy fighting a fan at the president's <laughs> Cup? and he didn't get to caddy like the he Sunday got round. Out. <laughs> Fought some dude. <laughs> I mean the history on this this whole team read team read. I mean, you think they have? You think he's going to keep wearing titles hats, or his titles going to be like, hey, bud? The amazing thing about Patrick Reed, though, is, I mean, he caught so much shit Saturday night and Saturday afternoon, and then he goes out there and just waxes everybody on Sunday and wins by five. What's more amazing was he doubles down on Twitter and yells at Rory, all caps, Rory did it on 18. So then you were saying something about a burner account? What's this? So there's a a burner account that's uh, use golf facts. And they all think it's either Patrick or Justine because when originally, so it originally came from Patrick Reed's account, that tweet word for word in all caps about Rory. That's what that picture was. I got got that a couple of times and I was like, why are they sending? So it's the same account. So they were like, oh, when you forget to switch Twitter accounts. So they tweeted it from Patrick Reed's account word for word. And then switched to the use golf facts, and which then is deleted the Patrick Reed one, but somebody <laughs> caught it right away. They, they, I think they kept it up for a while. And so everybody's like, oh, okay. And if you go look at use golf facts, it's always defending Patrick Reed. Really? <laughs> just a, just a burner account. Amazing. And it has no picture. Who got in a, was Jimbo got in a fight with Patrick Reed's mom? <laughs> Jimbo Floyd. Yeah. Yeah, they all the Georgia fans got mad when uh, Georgia played Notre Dame, and Patrick Reed was had a picture in all Notre Dame gear going to the game on a jet. <laughs> I mean, just complete villain troll job. Yeah, and he's great at it. he's a great villain, and he doesn't care. No he, conscience. No to no go conscience. to do that. Like I'm saying, that's what I'm saying on Sunday to show up and. Then just beat everybody's ass. Well, I was talking about it with someone the other day. I was like, he's been in so many situations that I don't think he knows he's doing it. I think this is just like part of his routine almost. I, I, I have to win so bad. Okay, my ball went left. It's in the rough. I need a better lie. It's tough up and down. It's soft. Ask if it bounced. Ask if it bounced. So th- his whole idea was to see if it bounced. I mean... I mean, he's been doing it. Why? Why can't we? Also, we, why can't the rules official come over the night? I get we're not trying to use video replay because not everybody's shots on video. Okay, so they're trying to separate that because there there's an integrity or a fairness that yeah, I, I agree with that. However, I think that we need to have like like it's not. Right, but the rules official, in my opinion, should have a little more of a backbone and be... He should have a backbone. Why can't he call in CBS and say, hey, do we have this on film? Do we have anything over here? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be situations where there's going to be people around the green that would have seen a ball bounce that might not have been around the green for somebody else at the same point. Like, that's a a big gray area. And I think we should be able to, to use video replay in real time. Maybe not go back, okay? So maybe we can't... Yeah, maybe, yeah, that's what you're saying. Maybe we can't pick up on something and be like, 
On 13, it looked like you didn't replace your ball in the same spot on the like green. Like Lexi Thompson. Like Lexi Thompson when she cheats. So she should, her and Patrick Reed. Mm. But, anyway. However, in real time, hey, Justin, Justine, um, your ball was on video here. You're in the final group. Let's let's just take a look real quick. And then... When it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. And then he can be like, yeah, you're right. It's not plugged. I'm... I'm going to hack it up. And, I'm going to get up and down anyway because I have the greatest short game in the history of the game. He does. Guy's good. We can't take that away. He's won nine times. Is he going to be a... What is he, a three-way from the Hall of Fame? You have to be 12. No, I don't know the rules. 12 and a major, I think, is the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's won nine times, including a major now. Nine big wins, too. Arnold yeah. Palmer, WGCs. Um, it's, it's, I don't know what all he's won, but... A couple of those things. But nine times, including a two, major, two playoff good. events. I think yeah. two playoff events. He's good. He yeah. can play. Nobody likes him, and he doesn't care. But it, every year, there's something going on with him, and I don't know. Whatever we could, we could go on and on about it. But fact of the matter is, he is good. And he had that that stuff in the bunker down there in the Bahamas. If you don't know your club touches sand in a bunker. <laughs> But you're, then, you're new to the game. I mean, then when that came out, you remember all that, like they went back on, there were a lot of Peter Costas stuff. He's like, I don't remember that ball being, having that good of a lie. Right, right. And him just basically trouncing his three wood behind his, in the do rough. You, do you think that if Rory's ball didn't have a similar situation on 18, that Justine Reed's situation was a little bit more extreme? What, or would have been? Do you think they downplayed a, a touch? Uh, who Rory's? So Rory's happened, and then do you think that they didn't? I guess oh, they, I no, guess they, they put a lot of they wore out yeah, Patrick Reed about yeah, they that. Did, they did. You're right. I mean, Sham Randall Chambly went lost his mind on him on Sunday, Saturday night. Sunday was the first day that I've sat down and watched golf wear to wear in a long time. Well, other than Patrick Reed, what'd you get excited about? It was close there for a while, and then it just kind of mm-hmm. all... As soon as, as, soon as I started that. watching it, Let's fell apart. Let's talk about that real quick. So, they tee off early. They they have Golf Channel coverage for the first hour, hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. So, 3 o'clock. It's supposed to be CBS. It doesn't come on until like 4. The basketball game is like 35 minutes late. All of a sudden, they show the leaderboard, and Patrick Reed's at like 13 under. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. He was... Hovland was here. Here, we just completely missed Patrick. Patrick Green made an eagle. eagle. Made a forty footer for eagle. Don't see that ever. They don't even talk about it. They're not like, you know, while we were watching the end of this basketball game that nobody cares about, including the teams playing. Justine made a forty five foot. I'm just gonna quit calling him Justine. It's getting old. <laughs> but whatever. I thought you were really leaning into it now. I was grinding on it, but it's 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 catching up to me. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. But how do we not see that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's CBS. And then the first, what, 10 minutes, we're all recapping the whole Reed situation. I don't know if they showed a shot of golf until about 345. Bad. Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, Tory Pines, to me... I know it's got some nice views and it's on the coast, but it looks kind of boring. I don't know. I've never played it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't either. I I thought it would look cool. I like that downhill par three that looked like fun. Uh, five maybe. Three, Two, three, three, and then six was up there on top of the hill. That has a cool view. It's amazing looking at the places that they're hitting the ball from versus like where Tiger was hitting it from in '08 when Tiger was long. Yeah. They were like, yeah, Tiger hit a four iron into this hole. Now they're hitting pitching wedge. It's well. Weird. Yeah. I don't know what else I was excited about. Tony Finau with another second place non-contending top five. Yeah. Pretty much. Who else? Who else was going on? Oh. Hovland. Tane Lee. I don't know if you saw this guy. Former Division Three NCAA champion. Monday qualified and made the cut. Really? Guys was the best golfer I ever watched in college. Pretty cool. How old is he? Uh, he's got to be 30. 29 or 30, somewhere around there. Okay. He, he had corn fairy status for a little while. 
he got hurt. I think he's just kind of been a journeyman. He's from California. You looking him up? No, I was just pulling up the, the PGA Tour. PGAtour.com. Brooks Kepka missed another cut. That guy just, misses a lot of cuts. He's just rounded into form. Um, did we have the Tiger Woods news last week that he was hurt? Had another surgery? Yep. We did? Yeah, we talked about it. Because Noda broke it. All right. And I talked about some of the um, HBO documentary. Yes. I watched most of the second one. Really disappointing. What was disappointing about it? It was just character assassination. <laughs> they had Rachel Yucatel who... <laughs> I saw, I saw them. I, I think Rachel Yucatel is the only person that's had more work done to her face than Holly Saunders. Oh, no. Yeah. That's a, like she, that's a high bar to they're, they're do showing, more than that. They were showing pictures of her walking out of her apartment complex, and, and she was... It made sense for Tiger. You know, you're like, cool, like... Hell yeah. <laughs> and she's telling stories about how she was flying to Australia and how they got caught. She got trapped. and She loved him. That's what she said. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now... <laughs> now she's... I wasn't now, ready for that. Now she looks like a duck-billed platypus. <laughs> Hold on. So how'd they get caught? Where'd she get trapped? Thanksgiving. Um, he had been telling his wife that she was just a friend and... Helped out mm. with some parties or whatnot. Well, Tiger got all zonked out on Ambien and fell asleep. Well, he left his phone open and he had just sent a message like, Hey, baby, I miss oh, you. No. I want to talk to you soon. So Elon called it, called the number. And the person picked up and was like, Hey, baby, I thought you were going to sleep. And she's like, Uh oh. You're busted. <laughs> so is that when he wrecked that, his car? That's when he, that's when he wrecked his car. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So she told everything. Yeah. What do you think Tiger thinks about that? He did, he, he had to watch it, right? <laughs> Tiger used to like, to, apparently he used to like, like South Park did a whole reenactment one time of him driving the car into the yeah. fire hydrant. He, I guess, well, according to Hank Haney, he was another oh, smear job. Mm, mm. He, he says that Tiger loved that stuff about him. Really? But I can't imagine. Like, I mean... Mm. All these stories are the same. They're just regurgitating them in a different light. Well, they don't have any new material. Right. For yeah. now. I mean... We should make one a good one where we talk about his foundation, his victories, all the good things he's done for human beings. <laughs> just nothing but positive. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have a podcast. There'd be no golf podcast for Tiger Woods. It's probably true. There probably wouldn't be a lot of stuff with golf if Who there do wasn't you think, Tiger Woods. Did I ask this question last week about the golf channel? So the golf channel's in perils, right? Oh, bad perils. So who's more important? Is the golf channel more important to Tiger Woods? Or was Tiger Woods more important to the golf channel? It can be argued both ways, right? I would say Tiger's more important to the golf channel. Yeah. Just Tiger's, I mean, it's so important to golf. Right. You can look at the purses. I right. mean, look at the guys playing now that all... Well, like 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 people sit here and they're like, they want to say, and and we heard an awesome Arnold Palmer story that, that we're going to hear on tonight's podcast with Andy Conway. However, they sit there and pad Arnold Palmer on the back, pat Arnold Palmer on the back for starting the Golf Channel and all that. The Golf Channel would have flopped if Tiger Woods didn't come onto the scene in '97. Is that fair? I don't know. I think so. It wouldn't have gone on as well as it had, mm-hmm. or it has. But you're, but now, man, it is done. It is so bad. Other need, than when they show golf, we need Peter Kessler to just start his own. Yeah, he's off Twitter though. We don't even know where he is. We should text him. <laughs> As a riot. He'd respond. Mm-hmm. He always responds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, what do you think about the waste management this week? Are they having? Did they? Did I they build think, out sixteen? Th- it's built out. I've I seen saw it somebody walking some, through a tunnel for something. Yeah, I've seen some some Instagram stories. Is I, is Zalatoris in the field? Some, yes, because of his top ten, or did he get a sponsor? 
I think he's got status now, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Somebody was telling me that you couldn't top 10 into this field because it's like a limited field. It is. a. It's definitely a limited field. But I think he's got full status now. But I want to say they're having... Oh. Aren't they having 8,000 fans a day? I had one more thing before we get to the waste management. Okay. Patrick Reed completely took away from the biggest story of the week. What was the biggest story of the week? Golf's fifth major was won by Paul Casey. I tweeted out. Well, you didn't see it. I'm I tweeted off, out off the twit. from the auto press. Congratulations to Paul Casey yeah. for joining the major champions club. Awesome. You did? <laughs> Hell yeah. Dubai, hashtag Dubai Desert Classic. I watched it Sunday morning a little bit. He made a great bogey putt on like 15 to he stay won, in it. He won about three or four, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. But, man. And that's a that's a big win for the guy. And, Why are you searching and, and, Saudi Arabia? It's a Dubai Desert Classic. I know, but now, this week... Is the Saudi? Yeah, now they're going to Saudi, and you've got... I mean, Phil Mickelson is playing over there and not in Scottsdale. Is Justin Thomas over there? I think so. He better be careful over there. Oh, he's welcome there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think he's suspended from the tour. No. No, he's in the waste management. Justin Thomas is playing waste management. Is he? Yeah. He had to be suspended from the tour. No. Dude, he, suspend him? he shot 59 in the Sony Open like last year or the year before. And he has that mishap, which I'm not condoning. Not a good thing. You were wrong. You were in the wrong, bud. However, the next week, he's not playing the Sony Open that he's won and shot 59 at, that he's played in every single year since he's been on tour. He just didn't want to. Oh, you think? He didn't want to play. You think? Yeah. Didn't want to stay in Hawaii another week? Huh. Patrick Patrick Reed's going over there. Justine? Dustin Johnson. Oh, man. Graham McDowell, DeChambeau, Finau, Sergio, Fleetwood. Many more. Reed. Philly Mick. I mean, that's a... You talk about a money grab. What do you think the appearance fee is for for Phil didn't, Mickelson? Didn't Tiger go play? He got a million. One of the couple years we thought something. it was a one or two million dollars. Yeah, and I he, don't know what Phil get. Maybe half a million dollars. And then he missed the cut. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like some of that comes out, but I don't know. Maybe half a million dollars. Should for the Phil? PJ Tour have appearance fees? I mean, if they want to get some of these guys to go to. You know, they've done some of that stuff in the past where they make them play some events they hadn't played in the past and all that. But I feel like the the sponsors have always working around it. Like, all the RBC guys are going to play the Canadian Open and the Correct. Heritage, you know? So that's an appearance fee in itself. Like, they're they're like, we're going to sponsor this event, but these are all our guys. They're going to play. Yeah. Thing. I, it's okay. I wouldn't be above it if they started... Trying to entice some big names to play with, hey, we'll give you 10 grand to come play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why they'd say no. I've always wondered why the tour doesn't do more of a traveling circus to where they cover all the guys' expenses to go week to week. Yeah, for I've sure. Always, I've always, like, NHL, NBA, NFL, they don't pay anything. Right. Like, and the golfers have to make their own arrangements. Like, I've and- always been curious why the pga tour doesn't charter out a hotel you stay here if you don't want to stay here you're on your own type of thing you know yeah it's always been a curious thing to me i was checking brendan's pairing this week chez reevee and bryce garnett b todd had a little vacation now he's back on uh playing waste management how old is his son oliver he is your nephew. Six. Yeah. Is that your nephew? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my nephew. How does that work? Yeah. 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 Definitely your nephew. <laughs> he knocked it on on the green on seventeen. Hit it just off. Still land. If you're seventeen on, land, on it, if you hadn't seen Brendan's Instagram story, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Brendan was they were down in Jacksonville and. He said, here's Oliver. He arrives at the 17th tee, 31 over par. <laughs> <laughs> Striped it up there and chipped it to like 
five or six feet and putted in. Said he shot 102. 102? <laughs> he loves it. Good it's, for him. Yeah. That's it's funny. Great. That's not an easy shot to hit on a lane with him. No. He hit with a wood. I texted, um, I texted Rachel. I said, how far was it? She's like, she's like, I don't know. I have to ask Brennan. And I didn't, I didn't ask Brennan, but it looked, looked like 115, 120 yards. I said, is he wraps on the tee 31 over par. (laughs) (laughs) That was just pretty funny. We're going to have this whole generation of kids that when they're in like high school, they're going to be showing, like he's going to be going to senior prom. Like here I am when I was six, knocking it on the green. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Everything's captured. It's it's crazy. Like today, I mean, just a completely separate story. Today was the hundredth day of school, so they dressed up. Oh, in, good. In how and, many of those days have they been in person? <laughs> Anna said this morning. She's like, I think uh, I don't know how we got to a hundred days. <laughs> Are we counting the two that we cut short for Christmas break? Are we counting the the eight virtual days we had here and this? I was like, sure. We've been in person about. 80 of those, maybe. Stuart Moore for school board 2021. No, no. All right, so what are you saying? So, anyway. So they dressed up? They dressed up, and Anna took their picture and posted it on somewhere. And so tonight, she said something about him posting it, and both Kate and Vivi were like, oh, my God, you posted that? I can't believe you posted uh-oh, that. Uh-oh. I mean, they were just being dramatic, but you're right. It's one of those things that's like, <laughs> you're... Their whole, I mean, all the kids' lives. It's out there. Yeah. If you went on my Instagram or well, like, page today, then you all you saw was friends posting. Rich, Richard's son's my, my godson. I live in Georgia, and I feel like I've, I see the kid grow up every day. <laughs> you know? Just, he's always doing something. It's fun to live vicariously that way. It's cool. I want, just going back to the waste management open, I want people to think about when they're watching it this weekend, when the stands are packed, how good of a Ryder Cup venue this would be. This is your. Can we talk about this, this. Is your spot? This is. Your I mean, own. I just think it's it'd be great for a Ryder Cup. What if the Ryder Cup had set venues going forward, like a rotation in no. America? So it's just like oh. like the Masters is at Augusta. What if the Ryder Cup was at? If it was in the U.S., it's here. It's in the. If it's over there, it's at Paris. I think they people would love that. It'd be cool, right? I think they you could do like three in a row at each place. And yeah. Move. If we're gonna do five of the same captains and have Davis in the third, <sighs> we talked about that last week. Yeah. Like, why? Well, why why don't we do the same venue every time? Yeah. <laughs> well, and we, I mean, I've talked at length about the U.S.'s pick of. Ryder got been uses makes no sense, but did I? T- who was it? Was it Ben that sent me a that said Drew Love was gonna be a captain's pick? Yeah, Ben Tonke. Ben Tonke. Well, you got anything else for last week? Oh, we have a this phone. week. We have a uh, we have mail time. We got a mail time. We have a mail time. I haven't even updated the mail time thing. Should Is I... it from Lied Denny? No. Oh, I did hang out with Lied Denny yesterday. No, he told me. That's no, probably why you didn't make it. Monday, Monday. No, I think it was. No, it was yesterday. No, I think that's why you didn't make it back home. It was Monday. Yesterday I played golf at uh, Montgomery Country Club. You said they took my picture down. They did. Your picture is no longer inside there. It was there every time I've been there. I've played there once a year for the past five years. What did they? Did they take them all down? No. They just started instead of when did you win it? Like oh three. Um, no, probably oh two, whatever. Now they only started at like oh five. It's <laughs> so like Matt Hughes won it one year from Alabama. He's still up there. Dang. Um, yeah, Just phased out. You're gone. I was thinking, and there was plenty of room. There was no reason for them to take it down. <laughs> Dang. It was interesting. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! <laughs> right at the end kills me. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, 
No, so so he's all fired up that the podcast is back and rolling. He's gonna he's gonna be calling back in. Um, well, not lied, but what's his? <laughs> Denny lied. No, what's his? Uh, I can't remember. Len Len something. Lenny. Lenny. So here we here we go. Hey, Auto Press Anderson from the In Between here. Highlight of my week is that Auto Press is back. Worst part of my week having to watch Patrick Reed win, and I had a vasectomy this week. That tells you how not fun it is to watch this guy win, if that's <laughs> the worst part of my week. Anyway, probably beating a dead horse, uh, but wanted to give my take on uh, Reed cheating on number 10 on Saturday. I mean, you can clearly see him pushing his fingers down into the ground four or five times after he's already picked up his ball. And uh, go back and watch as he stands up and waits for the uh, rules official to walk over. He reaches over and cleans his fingers off on his towel because he just jammed them into the ground. Um, my question is, uh, kind of take away from all this, um, is it good for professional golf to have villains, uh, guys you hate and root against? Uh, what do y'all think? Anyway, glad y'all are back. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That That's funny that he mentioned that about his – fingers because you said that i said earlier i was like i want to check his fingernails <laughs> I, I didn't notice that he cleaned I'll, his fingers i'll play around like i played golf today and my fingernails have dirt in them and i didn't mess around with yeah you didn't but it's like even if i guess i gotta wash my hands since i got here i don't know i got in the car and just drove home whatever you drove straight here yeah you're still in your golf clothes yeah i'm still wearing golf shoes <laughs> <laughs> however if you're digging in the dirt, it takes some effort to get the dirt out of the fingernails. You can't just wipe it on a towel. So there, there would have been some evidence after that. Now, to Anderson's question, I think villains, villains in golf are, unfortunately, I think they're good. I love rooting against. Not, uh, I mean, Team Reed. I I root against people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of who I've rooted against. Definitely against Patrick Reed, Bryson. Bryson, yeah, usually root against Bryson. Don't want him to win. Brooks. Uh, just depends. Not all the time when he's tough guy, Brooks. Yeah, when he's, I don't really I like golf. I hate golf. I hate golf. I don't know why I, I play. I don't you like just, golf, but I'll just win. I want to miss another cut. Um, I'm trying to think of other people I'd root against. Anyway, it's it's definitely good for There were plenty of people watching just to hope Patrick Reed blew up. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, haters going to hate. What else did he ask? It's good for the game. He said something else at the end that was a solid question. Uh, that's about it. Oh, one other thing we have not touched on. Speaking of, I was thinking about this. Brooks Kepka just made me think about it again. So, Brooks Kepka and Angel Cabrera have had pretty much mirror careers. A couple majors. Zero tour wins, just losers. Angel Cabrera got arrested. <laughs> Did we talk about this? <laughs> no, was, Is he still in jail? I was wondering if you were going, if that's where you were going with Angel Cabrera. Is he still in jail? I, I don't know. He got arrested in uh, in mid January for was it for like assault? He was accused of trying to run over his girlfriend. Oh, okay. So. There was like an international manhunt for him. Yeah, he got arrested and and he was on some sort of Interpol's cred, uh, code red list. January um, January fourteenth, he got arrested in Brazil and was going to be extradited to Argentina. Charges for assault, illegal Im- intimidation, and theft for in- incidents involving former romantic in- partners. And then his ex-wife also filed two charges against him. Oh, for so she just piled on. Minor assault and threats. Mm. His ex-partner claims he beat and threatened her. Cabrera had been a fugitive in Argentina since August 14th when he failed to appear at a meeting with the prosecutor regarding Ooh. the alleged attacks. So, well, he's having a tough 2021. Yeah. You know, when I when I caddied for Brendan, he was in the group. Yeah. On the hill. Glad I didn't cross him. Right? It would have been a weird incident in the parking lot. <laughs> just run me up. It's been a been a interesting 2021. We just hope golf is the most interesting story of 
keep it going. Twenty twenty one. Who did we have? Who were our picks last week? I picked John Rom. Who did I pick? You picked Scotty Scheffler. God. Scotty Scheffler shot nice 60, round. 65 and then missed the cut. I thought I picked Scheffler. You Jeez. did. This is your year for the Ponzi pool, you said? Yeah, I, I'm in. You're I'm in like I'm, seventh? Yeah, I'm like I'm just creeping. Yeah. I got a lot of good picks. How about Ponzi Dan just not giving Zalatoris points this week? Well, I, I, I sent Ponzi Dan an email that said, I think this is my year. Did he, did he respond? Were you not copied on it? I don't know. I haven't checked my email. Oh, in a couple he, days. Said, he said, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going, I think this week. He's not going to call the voicemail anymore. He's going to start his own podcast to rebuttal things that we talk about. <laughs> There's plenty of that. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have a too long of a podcast he, to correct our mistakes. He texted me last week and he goes, how do I start my own podcast so that I can respond to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> He's a lawyer. He's too long-winded. Yeah. Too elo- you're too eloquent with your words, Ponzi Dan. I'm just taking one pick for this week. I'm going to get in, get it in before you do. Okay. Rory McIlroy's. Is he playing in the... F- yeah. He's playing here? Yeah. Man. So what time does he tee off? Yeah. Eight o'clock. Yep. Rory McIlroy's is going to win the tournament. Why has he got an S on his name now? Why not? Okay. I'm going to go... This is just, I mean, this is just kind of a dumb pick. Yeah, don't, don't but I, do it. I hope he finishes like top 20, I think would be pretty good. But I'm feeling it. Ricky Fowler. Good. I like that. He's going to come back this week. I, I like think that. we're going to have a good showing from Ricky Fowler. Using uh, graphite shafts and his irons now. Uh, does that change your, your pick? No. <laughs> no. He's won here. He won here in 2020. 19 finished second like 13 times yeah and he's been playing good lately supposedly his putting stats were not good last week but he's hitting it better graphite shaft irons well maybe that's maybe that's the key maybe that's what he needs what about rory shabatini he's played he's He's played well for like two years yeah he's played really well what country is this i think it's uh croatia or something yeah but he's he's changed just put it over that thing does it show you no. he's changed his uh he, he changed it to try and make the olympics right he like slovakia yeah 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 his wife's from there <laughs> i don't i don't really know why but for the olympics is that what it was slovakia i think that he was from south africa originally yeah and he couldn't beat like he's born in south africa went to arizona but he's now <laughs> slovakian so he wasn't gonna beat out like uh um louis stays in and Whoever else is from down there, I don't know. Ernie Els. Well, he's not making the Olympics anymore. <laughs> is Slovakia know. a European country? I think so. So could he play on the Ryder Cup? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't. He's not going to get on the Ryder Cup team. Why not? I don't. I don't know how where the European pulls from on their Ryder Cup. That that was a big win for Paul Casey because I don't think he gets points for playing in America. I think you have to be on the because European. Because he's on the European tour? Yeah. You have to play so many events on the European tour. Because I remember a couple of years ago, he cl- he took PJ Tour membership yep. instead of European mm-hmm. and was not eligible for the Ryder Cup and then finished like third in a couple majors. And they're Did, like, yeah, you can't play in the Ryder Cup this year. Did you get up early to watch the Dubai Desert Classic? I, you know, I'm just going to admit it. I'm so disconnected from the world. Are you going to get up early to watch the Saudi Arabian Open? Yeah, but like it's probably without, about to start. Without Twitter, I didn't understand. I, I, I didn't really know the Dubai Desert Classic was even going on. Man, what was I doing last week? I played golf a couple times. <laughs> I don't know. I I did lock in for Sunday though. It was. I mean, it. I thought it was going to be a little more exciting. Yeah, I was disappointed. Well, Adam Scott. I thought he was going to do more. You were, you were high on him Sunday morning mm. when we were texting. All right. Well, we got a fun talk with Andy Conway. Yes, clarifying some rules. Clarifying some rules. Good, a, good friend of my dad's, good friend of mine my whole life. So, Yeah, so enjoy that. And then another Rochester legend. We'll be back. Uh, what's the tournament next week? AT&T, Pebble Beach. Yeah, Pebble Beach. No 
Uh, no amateurs? It's going to be so nice not having amateurs. <laughs> Are they going to play three-course rotation? I'm sure. I haven't seen they're not. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be back next week and uh, enjoy the, the talk with Andy Conway. Well, we're joined here. Good friend of mine, Andy Conway of Rules Official. Andy, welcome to uh, hey, hey. the podcast, man. Thank you. Thanks and, for having me. Am, am I wrong to say that you scored a, a perfect score on the uh, USJ rules test? Yes, sir. You're wrong. I <laughs> The last two tests I took, uh, I scored 97, which I was pretty proud of. And um, the last one, two years ago, I scored 92 after they changed the rules. So I felt pretty good about the rules. And then they had to go and change them. But at the end of the day, I think they simplified them. And uh, I'm getting better at them. I constantly are taking quizzes um online i'm a member of the usga rules forum on facebook and it's it's really interesting the number of situations that can arise when you're playing a simple game of golf and it actually turns out to be quite a bit different than you might um find with tennis or baseball because you play on so many different fields in golf it's 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 fascinating. Definitely. And, and, and put into perspective real quick and um, what that score is compared to like, I mean, that, that score is unheard of, I guess, for most people. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's unheard of, but this, this is a test that the USGA administers and it's typically administered after a very intensive three day workshop eight hours a day where you're just sitting in the room. I've had um, some excellent instructors. I've had former presidents of the USGA instruct. I've had executive directors. And one of my favorite instructors is the head rules official for the PGA of America. His name is Ron Hickman. And by the time you get out of there after the three days, your mind is mush. It's exhausting. Uh, they go over all 24 rules. It used to be 34 rules. And the questions that they ask just scramble your mind. So after you leave that, you're ready for a vacation. And it's very difficult. The first time I took the test, I got 72. And then the next time, 97, and then 92. So to kind of put that in perspective... I know there's always room for improvement, but if you score over 90, you're considered certified and qualified to officiate at the highest USGA events, such as a U.S. Open and uh, U.S. Amateur. Nice, that's awesome. Well, yeah, it's fun. Obviously, the as we as we just discussed, the rules are at the forefront of the of the game again. Have you ever? had walked up on somebody asking for an embedded ball relief where they've taken the ball already out of the in, uh, indentation and then told you to feel your finger in it. Did that whole thing seem odd to you? It seems very odd. Um, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I heard about the situation. I did not see it, but typically no, you call for a rules official for a ruling or at the very least call other of your fellow competitors over to um, examine the situation before you've altered it. When you've taken the ball out, who knows what happens at that stage? Very, very unusual. I've never come across that. So so how would, you know, Patrick, obviously we're talking about Patrick Reed's situation where he, he took the ball out and he sets it over the side and then calls the rules official. And so the rules official you could see comes up and he says, well, where's the ball? And uh, Patrick points, you know, six feet over to the right. But I guess how, like, how would you have handled that situation? I mean, obviously this is all hindsight, but as a USGA certified official, are, are you ever taught about that situation or anything like that? Well, you know, every time you're on the golf course, situations arise which you thought you would never see. 
this definitely would be one of those situations. In my case, if I were called onto that scene and he had picked the ball up already, it's going to be very difficult for me to give him a favorable ruling by telling him that his ball was embedded. I would probably give him a penalty of one shot and have him replace the ball. Yeah. That mean that would be seem pretty logical. Seems pretty standard that you you, you don't just especially a situation like that. Like it's not like a, a car pad situation where you know what my my foot was here. Like right. am, it's am, not obvious. Am I fair in that in that assessment where like yeah, maybe you do pick your ball up and just keep the tee there because you know you're getting the relief. You, you just maybe Absolutely. maybe you're figuring out where it is, but when you're embedded, you're gonna pick the ball up a few inches above it and be like, "See that hole there? The ball's in there." And you keep kind of playing and putting it back, right? Like I think this is embedment. Well, what I um, embedment is that a what word? What I wonder is, wasn't this ball in the rough? Correct. All right, and didn't that ball? bounce before it hit the final well, location yes those, it those, did those are facts that he didn't know well but and i'll i feel like when he was walking up there he asked the volunteer who is 20 or 30 yards ahead of it and he's like did you see it bounce and she said well, no i didn't see it i felt like he was setting up to try to go for this ruling but yeah it was in the rough and it had bounced like there's no way it was embedded usually unless you are in a situation where it's like a wetland swamp uh flooded or after a drenching rain you're not going to see your ball embedded to the same extent that you would see it in the fairway the grass by virtue of being longer tends to cushion it a little bit and it generally won't go down. Now, it used to be that the ball had to um, kind of come into contact or so with mud. But now the ruling is the ball has to be below the surface of the ground. That in and of itself might leave a little room for leeway. But either way, it's beyond my comprehension how if he thought his ball was embedded, but he had a question that he even touched it to move it before someone got there. What he was doing by moving it was making a determination in his mind that it was embedded. And what you're supposed to do is call over your fellow competitors so that they can see it. Now, some of these things have changed. I, I'm not quite certain at this stage whether or not he was required to do so for the embedded ball, but as a matter of good practice, he really should have done that, especially a guy on tour. Yeah. Well, he was, he, I think he took advantage of his playing partners a little bit too. He had Robbie Shelton, Will Gordon, who were rookies more or less on tour. And I mean, if he's paired with uh, Rory or Xander Shoffley, yeah, they're, they're going to be a little bit more, more on, on top of more the situation. On, they more speak, may, may, may speak up a little more. Yeah. Well, I agree with you guys there because of the fact that they're established and two rookies aren't going to challenge a veteran, a former winner of the a, Masters. A major winner. A major winner. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. But what, uh, give us a, a, some crazy situations you've run across that, that, uh, stick out in your mind. As far as rules, you know, it can be really boring. A lot of times <laughs> you're out there, you just run across some run-of-the-mill situations. The one thing that I came across was actually playing with my father, and he hit his ball in a tree, in a pine tree, and it wound up right in the middle of a bird's nest. Really? Yep. So he's got to either play it or take an unplayable lie but then there might be an opportunity if you know the rules and how to take advantage of them. Oftentimes you would be given free relief to protect wildlife and habitat. So, you know, if it were a tournament, I might very well tell the person, first of all, I'll say, 
would you like a ruling? I, I never assume that they want a ruling. And if they say yes, I go, okay, you've got some options. Number one, you could play the ball as it lies. But if you elect to play the ball as it lies, you might be entitled to relief by virtue of the fact that you don't want to damage the bird's habitat there. So if you know enough about the rules, you can take advantage of them, but you have to take advantage of them in a fair way, not in un I mean, in an equitable way. I don't mean to say on a fair way, but and, in a fair Andy, way. Andy, I got I to gotta stop you real quick. Okay. Uh, I, I don't like the way that you explain take advantage versus using the rules to your advantage, I think, are <laughs> different ways. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think Taking it, I think it's, doesn't mean bending I, them. It I, I think it's, I, I, I like it. If you know the rules, you can use them to your advantage versus <laughs> taking advantage of the rules. I agree with that, JP, completely. Yeah. That's what I meant to convey. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew what you were trying important. to say, but, but some people think that, oh, you can just get away with cheating. No, you're, you don't, but you use the rules that are there to your advantage instead of taking advantage. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I didn't mean to... I don't know what I'm just what I'm saying. Whatever. No, I think that was an important <laughs> clarification. I think that was a very valid point and one that needs to be stated because you know there are people in golf as in life that try and bend the rules and take advantage of situations. By taking advantage of rules, I mean taking advantage of the situation as the rules apply to that particular situation. Right. But but it also helps to know all the rules where you can not use them to your advantage, but you know something like that with a in a bird's nest or I've told the story many times where I had an assistant coach that I was trying to get relief from an ant bed and a hazard. Yeah, I didn't even know you could get relief from an ant bed and a hazard. Um, what were they fire ants? They were, and he made sure to make me like kick my foot around so that they were looked mad when the rules official got there. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, they were, they were ants that would have, would have bit me. So yeah, and, that's a dangerous situation. Yeah. It was, but it was in a hazard. And I said, we can't do that in a hazard. And he's like, yeah, you can, but kick them up make sure they're running around when he <laughs> make, gets here. Make sure they're active. <laughs> make sure it's, well, remember, it's dangerous. Now, now the word hazard has been modified to um, apply to penalty area, <laughs> except bunkers, even though it's a type of a hazard, it's, it's a bunker. Now, one thing that a lot of people are not aware of is this. You get relief for an immovable obstruction, but you don't get relief for an immovable obstruction in a penalty area. So knowing the rule, you know, people might say, hey, I'm standing on this metal grate. Yes, sir, but you are in a penalty area, and the rules do not allow for that. Oh, that's good. Um, that's good to know. Yeah. But if you are in a, a bunker and there's an immovable obstruction, such as a stairway or something, you would be entitled to relief in that situation. What about a stairway going down into the bunker down the lip? Yep, that's what I'm talking about. Like railroad ties? Oh, oh, not rail. Well, railroad ties. Why not? Because I believe they're considered an integral part of the bunker. But that's a great question. I don't know. Although I have seen people that were up against um, wooden railroad ties in a bunker that had to play sideways. So my best guess would be that you would not be entitled to relief for that. Yeah, I think you're right on that because it it like a harbor town or something if well, you're in some of those little bunkers or well the stairway thing surprises me too i think if it's maybe metal stairs going in there hmm. or something like that there's so many I, rules but I, I could check on that just to be sure um but you know what let me look right now or you guys continue talking how about that <laughs> what's um do you have a goal with your rules officiating? Do you want to? Do you want to be a tour official one day? Like, I know you've been around a lot of good good parts of the game. Well, I would absolutely. After I started getting into the rules, um, 
I thought it would be a great job, but at my age, I'm 66 now, and starting a new career, getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning, being there for seven days, being away from home for weeks at a time, while I would absolutely love this, I did explore it, and it's a very political thing. Hmm. A lot of the a lot of the people are former tour players. In fact, uh, Dillard Pruitt, I think, mm -hmm. a former player, is in charge of all the rules officials on tour. So, yeah, you have to know people, and you have to be well-connected. Mike Holbert was at my first rules seminar, and um, as you know, he he's from um, Elmira, played golf, and grew up with Joey Sindelar. Yeah. And now I believe he's on TV on CBS is their rules expert uh clarifying situations. So okay. yeah, you've got you've got to know somebody. But let mm. me see if I can find the specific reference to that rule that we were talking about as far as obstructions in bunkers, okay? And then uh what he's talking about, Brad Fable, the guy that came up to give Patrick Reed his ruling is an ex-tour player. It's interesting how these uh, rules officials can get... I mean, oh, you got, guys, you know what? You got Slugger White. Brad Fable. Brad Fable was who I was thinking of. Yeah. Not Mike Hulbert? No, Mike Hulbert there, but as far as in charge of the rules officials on tour, I think it was Brad Fable. Although, for some reason, I think Dillard Pruitt Dill also may be involved. Dillard Pruitt is, is definitely involved. And Slugger White... Yes. See, I feel, like, long time. I feel like Slugger may have just retired. No, he's still out there. Oh, is he? Yeah, he wears a, he wears that big hat. Oh, I thought he retired. Well, you know what? I could be wrong. I, I didn't see him last week, so I don't know. <laughs> Did you see the statement that came out today about uh, Rory taking embedded relief on 18? I didn't see it anything today. Oh, uh, well... Uh, whatever day that happened with Patrick must have been Saturday. Saturday. So supposedly they, you know, on this burner account on Twitter, you messaged all that, but they came out and said Rory took relief on eighteen. He did and his ball bounce too. Yeah, and Rory said he was all worried about it. And then today the tour came out and a volunteer said that they stepped on his ball, on Rory's ball, when he took the embedded relief. Interesting. We'll get into that what, later. Who who stepped on his ball? A volunteer. So they were they were trying to get on Rory because they said, well, he took relief and his ball bounced too. I think it was his layup on 18 on, mm -hmm. on Saturday. And then they showed video of it on Sunday. Well, everybody was up in arms about that. And then today, earlier tonight, I saw a statement come out that they said a volunteer stepped on Rory's ball before he got there. So then he took embedded ball relief. Okay, remember, though, guys, that that would be a different rule because a ball at rest was moved by an outside influence, an outside agency, one of the volunteers, a uh, spectator, whatever. So in that case, it really wouldn't be embedded because it didn't embed in its own pitch mark after a stroke. It was embedded, really moved by an outside agency and in that case you get to recreate the lie as it was so he really wasn't given relief as i understand it for an embedded ball he was given relief because the condition of his ball when it came to rest was modified um by by somebody on the outside uh, one of the volunteers the yeah or whatever so, see that's different now, I found the answer in Rule 16.1. It says, um, when you were talking about immovable obstructions, it says, um, let's see. The, you're allowed relief when the ball is anywhere on the course except in a penalty area. Now, then we look up the definition of penalty area. And it's not the same as a bunker. So that's why the rule in a bunker would be different than it would be in the defined penalty area. So I was right there. All right. That's good to know. I'm, I'm going to have to take advantage of that rule. <laughs> yep. 16.1 for your reference. Well, Andy, um, 
I appreciate you coming on and talk about the rules here for a little bit. I, I, I know we mentioned like a little 10 to 15 minute thing. Um, and this has been cool. It's been, been some good info. And, uh, I, I, I don't want to leave without getting one story from you. Do you, do you have a do you, story? <laughs> you have to enlighten our listeners on your Arnold Palmer experience. Oh, caddying you mean? Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> um, back in 1980, I was uh, entering my final year of law school and the PGA was coming to Rochester was going to be at Oak Hill and Mr. Palmer was 50 years old at the time, but a year or two in advance, I wrote him and called him and then wrote him and called him some more. And he would always write back, but said, Andy, I appreciate you reaching out, but I've already got a caddy would love to meet you at Oak Hill. So it looked like I wasn't going to get an opportunity to caddy for him. Well, one day a friend calls me and says that they were having media day at Oak Hill and Mr. Palmer was there. So I went over, um, got some time with him, introduced myself. And he goes, hey, Andy, great to meet you. Hey, um, it's it's really good to meet you. But I think my caddy's coming next week. And, and he goes, but I'm playing a practice round tomorrow if you'd like to caddy for me. And I was so excited. So I did. And at the end of the round, he was going to pay me. And I said, no, sir, I just want some of your golf balls and your golf glove and to caddy for you next week. And he said, Andy, if my caddy doesn't show up next week, I will call the pro shop, let them know that you will caddy for me. And that Sunday, funny enough, um, your dad's friend, John Salomon and I were playing in a best ball and we got paired with Johnny Ryan who played at Duke and Jeff Sluman, who's from Rochester that, you guys all know was on the PGA tour and we lost by one shot. And John and I were at Thursdays, which is a local bar in Pittsburgh. And John's girlfriend came up who worked at Oak Hill and said, John, does he know? And, and John goes, I don't think so. And Mary says, Andy, um, Mr. Palmer called your catting for him next week. I have never jumped so high in my life. I was so excited. That roof, that roof isn't very high. You must have hit the ceiling. I was outside. Oh. I jumped over. So the very first day, um, I see Mr. Palmer. We go in the back room. He's got a Byron Nelson Iron Master made by McGregor, and he wanted to bend it. So he put it in the vise, get his bending machine, bending iron out, and snaps the hosel. He goes, uh-oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. So I end up carrying his bag with a normal amount of clubs, except it had seven it had seven additional putters in there. So the bag was heavy enough, but he had seven putters because he wasn't sure what he was going to use. So um, the next day, I told him that I had a Tommy Armour Ironmaster, and he goes, really, you do? bring it. So I brought it and he's putting with it. And he says, what if I like it? I said, if you like it, you can have it. What am I going to say? Too bad. You know? <laughs> so he proceeds to make seven putts in a row. He looks at me and I go, it's yours, sir. You, It's yours. So um, I really don't think he played with it that week, but I do remember seeing his picture on the cover of golf world magazine the following week, cause he won the Canadian PGA and on that cover was a picture of him and my putter. That's which great. Was really cool. And he said, I'll have Mrs. Palmer send you one of my Arnold Palmer original putters. And I've still got that putter in the original box and the original packaging. So quite a memory. How'd y'all, memory. how'd y'all finish that week? He made the cut. He actually made the cut. So I got to spend eight days with him. And I stayed in touch with him from that point forward. Uh, we would write. I, I saw him at Bay Hill once when we went there. And it was it was really a treat. But can you imagine being somebody who is so special that they could change somebody's life just by spending one week with them? There aren't many people like that, but he was one of them. 
he changed my life and um, one of my most precious memories. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I I knew that. Of course. I, I, I wanted to wrap it up with that. Hold on. What happened to his caddy for him to not come? Andy killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, JP. And that, had I known, um, his caddy, believe it or not, was gorgeous George Lucas. He's the guy. Oh, he's the guy with the big afro. No, the big afro was An- Angelo Argia, who oh, was um, right, right. Jack Nicholas's caddy. Okay. But gorgeous George Lucas ended up making a lot of money by doing yardage books for the tour and the tour players. But in answer to your question, gorgeous George Lucas decided that week that he was going to go to play in the New Hampshire Open. Can you imagine any tour caddy doing that today? <laughs> Not for one of the stars, for sure. Absolutely. You know, the stars just aligned up for me. That's Difference. awesome. It was uh, it was really something. Hard to believe it was 40 years ago. Oh, another thing. You know what? Every day before we got started, he would take his watch off. It was a gold Rolex day-date president. And he goes, here, Andy, put this in your pocket. Hold it for me. And I remember thinking, you know, someday I am going to own a watch like this. I never really thought it was going to be possible. But um, let's go back to 1980. The 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team won the gold medal. And um, my cousin and I did a book on those guys. And last year, I sold 10 of the books to the backup goalie, Steve Janicek. I met him in Cooperstown to do the transfer. And bottom line is I took the money from the sale of those books, uh, ironically titled Gold, and bought my gold Rolex. So it, it really had double meaning to me from holding Mr. Palmer's watch and also the 1980 gold team. So just a little side light. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, thanks for pretty sharing cool it with stuff. us. And and uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And when we have some more rules questions, we're, you know, we'll, call, we'll get new, JP to reach out to you new again. Go, new go-to guy. Guys, you call me anytime. I very much appreciate you inviting me. It was a thrill. All right. Thanks, Andy. All right, Andy. Bye, talk, guys. Be talk, safe. Talk to you soon, my friend. Bye, Coach. Get your ass in the hole. Yeah. Great butt, man.